Welcome to The Kelly Roach Show, the place for no fluff, easy to implement, 20 minute or less business and leadership lessons to help you build a sustainable business that scales, lead with integrity and create a lasting legacy. I'm Kelly Roach, former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive turned eight figure entrepreneur. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're doing a bonus episode in this Kairos Leadership Series, and we're going to be unpacking relinquishing control versus abdicating power, how to springboard from two to 10 million in your business. Now, this growth game in business, in the world of entrepreneurship and leadership is all about self-belief, self-identity, and the growth that you become the embodiment of, okay? For most of us, when we think about scaling our companies, we're looking for something outside of ourselves that we can wrap our heads around, right? This is why for so many business owners, they are constantly jumping on trends and tactics and new strategies with Instagram or Facebook or whatever the latest, greatest platform is, Uh, And they're always looking for that next tactical thing to grow their business. And what is fascinating to me over the course of not just my journey as an entrepreneur, but actually my journey, let's go all the way back to Fortune 500. Why was I able to build a $50 million portfolio with 17 locations, achieving record-breaking growth year after year? and build a side hustle doing a million dollars a year as a new business owner simultaneously? There's one answer, one answer only, and that's leadership. And a huge part of leadership is the self-trust and the self-belief that you can focus on the fundamentals and do them exceptionally well and manage only the things that really matter while empowering your team and your vendors and your support system to work autonomously to get to the outcome that you desire. Going back to my earlier point, most business owners are always focused on the next tactical thing that they can add into their strategy for growth because they think that they can just, you know, grasp that next advantage, that next quick hit that is going to leap their business forward, and that's going to be the the game changer. That's going to be the difference maker. When in reality, doing those handful of things really, really well and being exceptionally consistent with those things is what is going to tend to drive much faster growth. Now, what's very interesting about this is in this Cairo series, we've begun this conversation about looking at things internally and externally, going deeper, um, you know, from a self-reflection and personal development standpoint. And this idea of how do you get your business from two to 10 million in many ways comes back to relinquishing control without abdicating power. And I'm going to unpack that for you today. But most of you don't need a new tactic or a new strategy outside of yourselves in order to grow your business. Most of you are the cap on the growth of the business. 
because you are the bottleneck to growth. You are the person that is slowing things down and preventing the people that want to support you, that believe in your mission, your vision, your goals, that can help you get to the next level quickly. You're actually standing in their way because you're running in interference. And this is a huge transition that has to happen in this like two to $3.5 million range where your survival skill as an entrepreneur up to that like million to, you know, those low millions, right? Your survival skill, literally the thing that got you to where you are is you. It's your hustle. It is your tactical driving. It is having your hands on the steering wheel gripped, right, at three and nine and foot on the gas 24-7. And so this is a learned behavior that you've been trained to equate with good and you've been trained to equate with growth. And the problem is, is that that skill set of the three and the nine, controlling, driving, kind of being the source, no longer works when you want to go from two or 2.5 to 10 million. Because if you try to stay in that same role in the company where you are source and everything grows through you and it's touched by you and it's driven by you and it's controlled by you, there is no way that you can get the support that you will require in order to see that growth, okay? So there's a major transition that happens at this point where your role in the company really has to change and shift once you get to kind of that 2 million. And what's gonna happen is you become the bottleneck. And what's really interesting is I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, they say they want to step out of that control role They say that they want to allow their team, their vendors, whoever supporting them with the business to like step in and and drive, but they don't let them, right? And I see this all the time. And the people that we've worked with that have been able to really bust past those low millions into five, seven, 10, 13 million and above they understand how to narrow their role and narrow their control and power without abdicating. And I want to talk a little bit about this. And I I share this because I have made very expensive mistakes, of course, in all of these areas. Uh, So let me be really clear. I've made million-dollar mistakes in these areas. So why am I here talking to you about this today? Because I've seen both the bad side of million-dollar mistakes in these areas, and I've seen the upside of massive, massive growth. We're celebrating today being on the Inc. 5000 list for the second year in a row. Um, We're continuing to grow. I'm hoping to get a second company on the Inc. 5000 list as long as uh, it can hit the age requirement for being in business for long enough uh, in the next couple of years here. So, you know, I've seen the good and the bad of this, okay? So let's break it down. First of all, let's talk about the difference between relinquishing control and abdicating power, because this was a huge, huge learning for me uh, that I think is really important to help you all get from two to 10, okay? So what is the difference? Relinquishing control is when you allow someone who is perfectly qualified and capable 
to take full ownership of a responsibility within your organization in this context of how we're speaking today, and you allow them to put their own intellect, their gift, their spin, their talent, their way of doing, their stamp on something, okay? It's giving autonomy to say, this is the outcome that I want. I need you to achieve this outcome, but I am going to trust you and I'm going to allow you to follow whatever path you see fit to get there as long as it's moral, it's ethical, it's values-driven, and it's in alignment with our North Star. Whereas abdicating power is when you say, I don't like this area of the business. I don't want to be involved. Um, I don't need to be involved. You know, just I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to be a part of it. And whatever happens, happens. And where do I see this happening? I see this happening with entrepreneurs with their finances all the time. Spending money on all the wrong things, spending money on the wrong types of people, not understanding where their money is going in their business, not understanding where they need to be investing that is make or break versus where they need to cut back that is waste, that is not actually impacting the business. You cannot drive a $10 million company and grow it if you don't understand your own numbers. Okay. Now that's just one example. There might be people listening today that are like, I love the numbers. I sit in the numbers every single day. I got this, right? But maybe you're the person who's abdicated power when it comes to sales or marketing or client delivery in your business, right? So this looks different for all of us. I know I've made this mistake uh, in areas of the business where I just didn't want to be involved, didn't like to be involved, didn't want to spend time, um, didn't think it was a good use of my talent. And I abdicated power and people that I hired did the wrong thing. And it was very, very expensive. And I learned a really, really tough lesson um, in that space. Now, there's a difference, though, between these two things. Because when you relinquish control, you still continue to manage and provide oversight. But it's loose enough that you are not squandering and squashing someone's creativity and their ability to actually take your vision, enhance it, make it better, right? So the, the best way I can think about it is um, when you relinquish control, you are invested but not interfering, okay? You are invested but not interfering, whereas when you abdicate power, you're ignoring and not intercepting. Okay. So when you think about this idea, there's duality in everything that we do as leaders. There's duality in everything in life, right? So there's both like the yin and the yang of every single situation. When you think about building a winning team and scaling a company, you have to find that balance of the amount of oversight that you need to provide so that things don't go off the rails and in the wrong direction. But that has to be married with autonomy because great people require autonomy and you will not attract A players that can drive and manage and run companies and divisions for you if you don't allow them autonomy because no one who is skilled, gifted, and talented at what they do is going to sit like a robot and do what you want them to do, how you want them to do it, 
and follow instructions like an entry-level employee. And this is one of the biggest problems that I see in entrepreneurial companies, and it's why entrepreneurs can't, quote unquote, find great leaders. I feel extremely blessed. I have two company presidents that are extraordinary human beings that I feel so lucky to have on my team. I have a, a good group of vice presidents, executive directors, uh, mid-level directors, um, you know, that I feel so blessed to have on the team. And, you know, I don't abdicate power, but I absolutely give them an immense amount of autonomy, but step in where I need to step in, when I need to step in to make sure that we get to where we need to be. And again, I learned this skill by making very expensive mistakes. And even now, there's some times where I will allow someone on my team to make what I know is a mistake, to provide them the autonomy, and to allow them to have the learning on their own. Because sometimes you know through experience what the right answer is, but you forcing that answer on someone is going to create resentment. Whereas if you allow them the autonomy to make the wrong decision, they're going to learn the lesson. And it's like teaching a man a fish versus giving a man a fish right? Me forcing them to make the right decision because I said so, they don't learn anything. Me allowing them to make the wrong decision and then learn the right lesson that they're now going to have for the rest of their lives, that's like teaching a man to fish. And this is why in Kairos leadership, it's all about your growth as a person, your growth as a leader first. People attempt to scale companies by focusing on things outside of themselves but they are not in the headspace to hold what is required when you have thousands of customers and dozens of team members and a market that is looking to you for leadership, okay? So it all starts inside. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. I want to make sure I remind you all as you're listening to this episode, if you did not DM me on Instagram the word Kairos, do that now. I have created not only the reinvention playbook, but a three-day live experience that is going to blow your mind. You got to be there, guys. If you listen to this show, you got to be there. Um, but if nothing else, I want you to read the reinvention playbook. You're going to get such extraordinary value about how to relaunch and just recreate massive growth in your business over and over and over again without burning things down or doing random, crazy, stupid things that you know, kill your authority. So go on Instagram, go to Kelly Roach Official. I know you have your phone there. You can even minimize the episode for a second. Um, go to Kelly Roach Official on Instagram and DM me the word Kairos. That's K-A-I-R-O-S. If there's anyone listening that doesn't know what the word Kairos means, spend some time researching it. Um, not just the Greek uh, meaning, but the biblical meaning, because I really chose it because of the biblical meaning. And we'll talk more about that as we continue in the series. Okay, so we just discussed what the difference is between relinquishing control and abdicating power. Why does this matter? This matters because you will not grow from two to 10 million without this. Because what happens is you, when you look at a company that is actually a functional business, there are five core departments, sales, marketing, client, you know, service delivery, operations, and finance. Then you have all of these subdivisions underneath of that um, for specialized roles, okay? One person can manage up to five people well, 
but you cannot manage these five departments. You cannot you cannot really manage more than one department exceptionally well. And there's a scope, right? There's a scope of mental load that any one person, even a super high performer, uh, can manage and do well, okay? So this matters because if you don't learn the balance between abdicating power where you're not involved at the level that you need to be, and then things are going to crash and burn and cost you millions of dollars, been there, done that, okay? Versus relinquishing control, which is still staying involved and aware and making sure that you're kind of uh, able to step in if and when needed, but that you are giving the autonomy to let high-performing people bring their genius into your business, then you're ignoring the fact that each and every one of us has strengths and weaknesses. Your business can't function at a 10 or 20. I ran a $50 million you know, portfolio. I did that. I had 10 plus vice presidents, I think, at, at that time. I can't remember exactly the number. I want to say it was about 10. I couldn't have run that alone. I had to give them autonomy. The only reason that I was able to build a successful business on the side of my corporate job like that was that I spent 10 years investing in building a self-led team. I worked my tail off to invest in growing these people and elevating these people and giving them autonomy so that they could use their genius to complement mine. And I think that is the thing that so many entrepreneurs miss in this process is that you have certain strengths. But no matter how great those strengths are, your business will be completely lopsided like a car with a couple flat tires if you do not empower and elevate and give autonomy to people that have equal but opposite strengths in other areas. And if I look at all the people that I've surrounded myself with in my companies, they have opposite strengths that I do. They have different strengths than me. I was even having an interesting conversation with Danielle the other day, who obviously she was my right-hand person in the coaching company. I promoted her to president of three of my other companies. Now she's you know managing Conviction Marketing Agency, my personal brand, the advance, all these things, right? And I was having a conversation with her and you know we disagree on a lot of things, which is really good. Like we actually come at things from a very different perspective in a lot of instances. Now there's a lot of things obviously that we agree on. That's why we work so well together. But it's the places where we actually have unique differences that we strengthen one another, right? When you have people that are just an overlap of who you already are and what you're already good at, that's great, but it strengthens the lopsided car. But when you have people that complement your strengths and they actually can fulfill in the areas that you are weaker, now that's going to change the game, right? And so I want you to kind of think about that. So many entrepreneurs want to have an autonomous self-led company, which is what we work so deeply on, obviously, in legacy leaders. So many people want to have that self-led company, but they haven't done the work on themselves as a leader to learn how to take people that actually have amazing talent and give them the autonomy to utilize it, okay? So- I want to make sure that as we speak about this Kairos leadership and we continue in this conversation about 
this new era of leadership and how we're all being called forward, uh, not just to reflect glory to God, but to go deeper and to become more well-rounded leaders, like true leaders, people that are able to lift others up and empower others to their greatness and to lead movements of masses and millions. How do we do that? We have to first grow into the kind of person and the kind of leader that can elevate those around us to be self-led. And I think some of the ways that I learned this that were most important were in the marketing space. And and I want to give an example of why giving autonomy and relinquishing control is so make or break in marketing, okay? When I got started with Facebook advertising, gosh, I think it was like over 10 years ago now. I don't even know when I started with Facebook advertising. But, um, you know, when I started with advertising and started running ads and we started, you know, creating graphics, um, you know, I would always like go back and forth on what I liked and what I didn't like. And, you know, we would have internal conversations about it. And and then what would happen is the ugly graphic that none of us liked would be the best performing one. Okay. And this wasn't just once. This was like over and over again. Meaning that our personal preference does not yet necessarily yield the best result. Because we're dealing with other human beings and everyone has a different lens through which they see the world and everyone has a different perspective. So us going back and forth on a graphic that we're going to run an ad against makes no sense at all because your personal opinion as the business owner is not necessarily what the market is going to choose. And so in that moment, I learned a really important lesson, which was that it was smarter, faster, and better for me to relinquish control in that scenario because me controlling it does not create the best outcome anyway. That's number one. Then I learned that lesson again with landing pages, right? I love beautiful design and energetic design and things that jump off the page at you. But guess what? We learned that ugly landing pages tend to perform the best. So what did I learn once again? relinquishing control and allowing the team to just go and build the pages and start testing them and letting the data on conversion rates tell us this is what the market likes, this is what the market is responding to versus maintaining control, which does not impact outcome. I hope everyone is getting this. There are so many areas, hundreds, hundreds of areas in the business where you're stressing yourself out and where you are too involved and where you have your hands in the middle of things, that your control is not actually driving an outcome. Most business owners don't get this. I learned this very early on, thankfully. And I could I could go on and on and on. I mean, I'm just giving two very black and white examples, but both of those things impact our costs per lead and our ROAS, which ultimately impact our profitability. So I can remove myself completely from controlling what graphic we use for ads or um, what our landing page looks like. But what I need to do is I need to look at what is our cost per lead? What is the quality of the lead? What is our conversion rate? Are the people that are converting the people that we want to be, right? I need to look at the byproduct of the data of how that performance matters and impacts our profits versus squandering the creativity and the genius of the team that is creating it, okay? 
So I want you to think about and challenge yourself, maybe even pause the episode right now and really look at where are you still kind of in it, in the weeds, in the weeds, controlling and driving what's being done where your personal opinion doesn't necessarily drive the outcome. I know it's hard to admit that, right? Because we want to think we know in our own businesses. Like we want to think that we have this great vision and that we know. And and vision is amazing, right? I talk about vision constantly. Vision is very, very important because it's how you enroll the movement and the masses and, and your people in in where you're going and why. But how you fully get to the execution of that vision is going to require a lot of talent besides yours. And you will squander that talent and people will leave and people will not want to work with you if you do not let people that have talent utilize it. Autonomy is super important to high performers. And so finding the balance of, you know, making sure you keep the the train on the tracks, okay? You got to keep the train on the tracks. But you also need to let them shift the gears, right, Uh, so that they are able to fulfill what lights them up and gets them excited and passionate, um, you know, about what they do. And I I think that's really, really key. So a couple of takeaways. Number one, the leader is always the cap to growth. So many times I see business leaders that are looking for a new tactic on Instagram. They're looking for a new strategy on LinkedIn. They're looking for a new thing to do on Facebook. And it's like, no. (laughs) You need to uh, relinquish control and allow the resources that you have to like go forward and do what they know how to do to support you and to help you get to the next level. And it's probably your growth and getting out of being the bottleneck that is holding them back from elevating to that next level. Okay. The second thing, under one person's leadership, a B minus player can get A plus results. Under another person's leadership, an A-minus player is going to get D-plus results. Okay, so this was one of the most important learnings that I had in Fortune 500 because they would send me in to do turnarounds on bad branches. They would send me in to branches that were losing money, locations that were losing money, and they would have me do turnarounds. And I would turn these branches around, I would get them bonusing, I would rebuild the teams, and I would get them, you know, kind of enrolled in the vision of what I was doing with my greater organization. And let me tell you something, let me tell you something, never ever did I see a branch that was struggling that had a great leader. And what I mean by that is the players on your team are going to rise and fall based on the leadership that they receive. An A player that's put in the wrong setting with a bad leader that does not empower, uplift, engage, and kind of create an environment of growth is going to squander that talent. And that A player can perform at a B- minus or even a C level, right? Whereas When you grow as a leader and when you become a great leader, you don't need to bring in a rocket scientist in order to be successful in your business. I I remember there were so many branches that I got performing at ridiculous levels of success, and we were bringing in entry-level college kids. They had no business experience. They didn't know anything about anything. 
but we built such a rock solid system and structure and environment for success and great leadership environment that even these entry-level people with no business experience were coming in and knocking it out of the park, okay? It got to the point where they were flying CEOs of the other countries in to come and study what we were doing in these branches because they were like, how is this even possible, right? Well, you are that leader. You have the ability to create an environment where you give sunshine and nutrients and create such an environment of growth for your people that you don't need to bring in rocket scientists to grow your business. You need to bring in people that have hustle and heart. And when you bring in people that have hustle and heart and then you groom them and you grow them, they can elevate into impact players. Now, that said, I bring on super talented people to my team. I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to downplay the fact that over the last couple of years, I spent an extraordinary amount of time and money and effort to uplevel my team and to bring in really talented A players. But I only did that after we crossed over. I, I think, well, I, let me think back to when I started doing that. I want to say, I want to say that I started bringing in an executive team between seven and 10 million. That's what I'm going to say. Like I grew the business to, I'm going to say about, and this is not precise. I would have to like literally sit down with with financial reports to, to give exact on this. But I don't think I started bringing in people above uh, really college, like entry level staff until we were closer to like 7 million. Maybe I had like one person and that's it. Okay. So you can grow to extraordinary levels with entry-level people if they are managed and led correctly. But when you get to the point where you have more than five people on the team, and now you want to double and triple and keep leaping by millions, you're going to have to bring in people that are talented at a leadership level to be able to then bring in more entry-level and mid-level staff to be able to get peak performance out of them, okay? So you have to understand the the balance and the duality uh, of that. But remember, you know, an A player under the wrong leader is gonna give B minus results. But a A minus player, you know, can get D plus results under, under the wrong leader. But, you know, a B minus player can get A plus results under the right leader. And the beautiful thing about leadership is you can change. You can grow. You can become more. You can invest instead of learning about trending, uh, trending audios on Instagram. You can invest in becoming a better leader. Who would have thought? Why not invest in timeless things that are going to stay with you for the rest of your life? That's what's really going to make a difference on your business growth journey. Okay. Finally, scale requires repeatability by people other than you. I'm going to say it again. Scale requires repeatability by people other than you. People other than you need to be able to independently get results in each of the five core divisions of your company, sales, marketing, service delivery, finance, operations. So if you're still inserting yourself in everything because of your anxiety, your nervousness, uh, your need to control, your fear, right, then you will stifle the growth of your organization and it will be impossible to scale. That's why so many businesses get stuck right at that $2 million mark because you can hustle your way there. 
But then to go to the next level, it's all about getting results through others, which is a different skill set than your survival skill that you built that got you to that $2 million mark of hustling and hard work, okay? One more point, autonomous players are expensive and they expect freedom. And so whether you're working with team, agencies, vendors, uh, advertisers, whatever the case, you need to provide oversight and accountability. You need to be clear on the vision and the outcome that you desire, but you need to allow them to use their talent and their genius and their creativity on how to get there. So as we talk about in this Cairo series, your growth in building your empire is going to come down to faith, leadership, self-trust, belief in your ability and trust in your ability to cast vision and to mentor others to implement and to execute it. And the more that you grow as a leader and become a self-led leader, looking inside first before you look outside, the more that your empire is going to build and grow and scale. So you totally got this. I can't wait to see more and more of you make that leap from two to 10 million. I know you can make it happen. I believe in you. And before you go today, make sure you head on over to Instagram and DM me the word Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. I want to make sure that you get the Business Reinvention Playbook. And I want to see you at the live experience, which is virtual and free happening in September. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And I'll see you back here soon. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Roach Show. If you enjoyed this episode, do me two solids. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so other people can find the life-changing content that we share here. We're on our way to number one and we need your help getting there. Thanks so much for being a part of the community and for tuning into the show each and every week.